You're listening to the Mission Church Podcast. Each message comes from our Sunday morning gatherings where we worship in community, study God's Word, and grow in our faith together to the glory of Jesus Christ. The Mission Church is committed to helping each person belong and believe and to equip them to embrace the call of God upon their life. We pray these messages will build your faith and encourage you today. Now it came to pass, after these things, after what things? After uh, Joseph promises and swears to his dad that he won't let him be buried in Egypt, uh, that it was told to him, indeed, your father is sick. It's time. Uh, uh, Jacob is now 147 years old. Long life. Uh, and so Joseph takes with him his two sons, Manasseh and Ephraim. And Jacob was told, look, your son Joseph is coming to you. And Israel, that's Jacob, strengthened himself. And he sat up on the bed. I hear he's, you know, on his last breaths, right? And he hears his son Joseph is coming. And what happens to his soul? Gets strength and revives. I want you to know one of the best things you can do uh, is, is pour love on to those who are forgotten and neglected. It gives them strength and vitality. Hey, why not visit a nursing home someday? Just go spend an hour and go share the gospel, share the love of Jesus with those there. And, and this strengthens them. He sits up on his bed. Verse 3, then Jacob said to Joseph, God Almighty appeared to me at Luz in the land of Canaan and blessed me. Here I want you to know these are Jacob's last words. These are prayed over. These are well thought out. And what does he want to tell Joseph, his son? He wants to remind him of the true and living God. The God that he met at Luz. The God that came and spoke to him and confirmed the Abrahamic covenant with him. And Jacob changed the name of that place, Luz, to what? To Bethel, the house of God. Beth is house in Hebrew. El is God. The house of God. What happened to Jacob there in, in Luz that day? Well, God manifested himself to him, spoke to his heart, and Jacob realized, I'm in that. This is the house of God. Can I tell you something? Wherever you go, guess where you are? You're in the house of the God. Heaven is his handiwork. The earth is just his footstool. He is the omnipresent God, and wherever you go, you are there in his presence. Jacob, not always aware of God's presence, probably like you and I, going through life, not fully aware of the presence of God, but there he had an encounter of God, and he says, oh, I'm in the house of the Lord. And church, I want you to know, this is not the house of the Lord. You are the house of the Lord. God dwells with you if you are born again. And wherever you go, you're in God's presence. He then says, uh, and he's recounting this very important part in his life. You know, it was 70 years ago. 70 years ago, but he speaks of it as if it was yesterday. I remember when God spoke to me. When he made his covenant upon me, and, and, and he tells him about it here, verse 4. And he said to me, behold, I will make you fruitful, and I will multiply you. And I will make you a multitude of people. And I will give this land to your descendants after you as an everlasting possession. He's reminding Joseph of the Abrahamic covenant. He's reminding Joseph that the sovereign God met with him and promised not only him, but his forefathers, Abraham and Isaac, this land that they did not possess yet, they're only possessing it by faith. And he says, all this land is going to be yours as a everlasting covenant. Everlasting means how long? Forever. And the land of Israel belongs to Israel today. Uh, we don't have to dispute over who the land belongs to. God said it belongs to Israel, and he gave it to them as an everlasting possession. Verse 5, and now your two sons, Ephraim and Manasseh, who were born to you in the land of Egypt before I came to you in Egypt, are mine. 
Uh, Jacob here, Israel says, these boys, they're not your boys anymore. They're my boys. Uh, and Reuben and Simeon, excuse me, as Reuben and Simeon, they shall be mine. Uh, he says, just like your brothers are mine, your sons are now mine. You say, what is he doing? Look at this. Uh, verse 6, your offspring, whom you beget after them, shall be yours. You can have any other kids you want to have, but these two are mine. And look what he says. And they will be called, these offspring that you have later in life, Joseph, uh, they will be called by the name of their brothers in their inheritance. What's he, just, what's he doing? He's saying, any, any other children you have, Joseph, they're going to receive an inheritance, and it's going to be the inheritance of Manasseh and Ephraim. Uh, very interesting. Uh, but as for me, when I came from Padan, Rachel died beside me in the land of Canaan when, uh, when she was giving birth to Benjamin there on the way when there was but a little distance to go to Ephrath. And I buried her there on the way to Ephrath. And Ephrath is Bethlehem. He says, hey, listen, I remember 46 years ago when your mom, Joseph, was giving birth to Benjamin. And she broke my heart. I lost her that day. And I am doing something here. I am taking your sons as my sons to honor her and uh, to bless you. And here we see Joseph, excuse me, uh, Jacob doing some interesting things. Israel is adopting Ephraim and Manasseh as his own sons. He's telling Joseph, Joseph, they are going to be leaders uh, uh, of the tribes of Israel, just like your other brothers. Uh, uh, Israel had 12 sons, right? Each of those 12 sons became what? The 12 tribes of Israel. Uh, all part of the Abrahamic covenant. And here, uh, Jacob is doing something. He's giving his son Joseph a double portion of the inheritance. I have four children. If I wanted to give one of my children a double portion of the inheritance, what I would do is I would take uh, all my net worth, right? And instead of dividing it by four, I would divide it by five. And then I would take one of those portions uh, the, uh, the divided by five and give that to one of the kids. Uh, now they would have a double portion of the inheritance. And that is exactly what Joseph has, excuse me, what Jacob has done to Joseph here. He says, Joseph... Uh, your tribe is actually going to be removed and you're going to actually be two tribes now. You're going to be Ephraim and Manasseh and I'm giving you a double portion of the inheritance upon you. Uh, Joseph was the favored son, right? When he was young, uh, Israel had given him the coat of many colors, this, this coat of inheritance, the double portion, which was uh, common in that day. And uh, uh, we see God doing some things here. Uh, very interesting. Like a good heavenly father, uh, God is preparing the nation Israel for the future. To keep the promised land divided up between the 12 tribes of Israel, God does something very interesting. He removes Joseph and he adds Manasseh and Ephraim we had 12 tribes. He removes Joseph. Now we have 11 tribes. And he adds Ephraim and Manasseh. Now we have how many? 13 tribes. And you say, interesting. Why are you doing this, God? Well, like a good father, God has plans for his sons, for Israel, long into the future. And God is preparing for the nation Israel's future 500 years later, God will bring the tribes of Israel. There will be 3 million of them in 500 years. And God will bring them through Moses, through the wilderness, into the promised land. And Moses then will not be able to take them into the promised land. God will use Joshua to take them into the promised land. Joshua, a prefigure of Jesus. Uh, uh, Jesus' name in Hebrew is Joshua. Jehovah is salvation. And Joshua will bring them into the promised land. And he will distribute that land. He will give the inheritance of Israel 
to the tribes of Israel. And there's 13 tribes now, right? And God will do something interesting. He will take the tribe of Levi and he will say, you don't receive any inheritance. You receive a priesthood. And very interesting, in Joshua 18, God said this, the Levites shall have no inheritance among you, for the Lord himself is their inheritance. Wow. The Lord himself is their inheritance. I like the sound of that, don't you? I don't want a stinking piece of real estate. You know what I want for my inheritance? The Lord himself. What does that mean? It means that wherever you go, the Lord is your portion. Wherever you go, the Lord is your inheritance. Uh, man, I like the sound of that. Jesus is my inheritance. That wherever he is, uh, that's where I want to be. Uh, that's what the Levites were. God used them as a picture. Uh, hey, be careful. Be careful to the other tribes of Israel. And he was teaching the other tribes of Israel through the Levites. Don't be all about your acreage. Don't be all about your home. We can get so busy, can't we? Like, I got to make my backyard perfect. And I got to make my kitchen perfect. As if this was our inheritance. And I got to have my vacation home in Cabo. My little timeshare in Cabo. And I'm working hard for all that. God would speak to the nation Israel through the tribe of Levi. They have no homeland. They have no real estate of their own. Their inheritance is who? Is the Lord. And that is a picture of what we are all to be. In 1 Peter, it would tell us that we as the church are now a kingdom of what? A kingdom of priests. And priests have no inheritance in the land. Our inheritance is the Lord himself. And so may we not be overly focused, overly uh, consumed about how much property we have or how our kitchen countertops look. May we instead be focused on our real inheritance, Jesus. By the way, the heavens are just his handiwork and the earth is just his footstool. You have an inheritance way greater than some real estate, uh, uh, just a way greater inheritance. And so to keep the 12 tribes, uh, the land divided between the 12 tribes, God here adds a 13th tribe because uh, centuries later, he will remove the tribe of Levi from the inheritance of the land and still keep the land divided in the 12 tribes of Israel what a genius plan. And here, what do we see? God working centuries in advance, preparing his people for all that he has planned for them. May that give you encouragement this morning to know that God is working on things in your life right now that are uh, so far bigger than anything you can ask or imagine. He's able to do exceedingly abundantly above all we could ask or imagine. And I want you to know, some of the things that God is doing in your life right now, newsflash, this is going to be shocking, are not even about you. <laughs> They're about a bigger work that God wants to do in and through your life because he has great plans for you. I was talking with Jason in the courtyard, uh, uh, Jason here in the courtyard, just right before service, and he comes to me, he goes, hey, can I talk to you about eternal rewards? I'm looking back on my life and I, I'm, I'm wondering, do I have any rewards? And what are eternal rewards? I want you to know something. The things that we do in faith, when we give up our little stamp of land right here, we say, no, 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 my inheritance is in you, Lord. I want to please you. I want to serve you. All those things bring eternal rewards. And Jesus said, listen, man, you're going to have, uh, in my father's house are many shacks. No, he didn't say that. He said, in my father's house are many what? Mansions. Mansions. And I go to prepare a place for you. Well, where did he go to prepare a place for us? Well, he went to the cross. Where I'm going, you know, and the way you know. Uh, I'm going to the cross to prepare a place for you. 
You have an incredible inheritance awaiting for you. May we not be so wrapped up in the things of this life, right? Like striving for material possessions. Uh, here we see God working way in advance and uh, just doing all of these things, uh, uh, preparing us for the good plans that he has for us. I love that. Uh, now, in this, uh, we see some things. Joseph uh, is an interesting prefigure of Jesus, as we've been looking at. And I want you to think about something. He, uh, Israel just adopted Joseph's sons as his own sons. Is your boys? They're not yours anymore. They're mine. And just like Reuben and uh, Benjamin, I mean, they're mine, and they're going to get the full inheritance of the land. They're my sons. Uh, very interesting. I want you to think about this. Joseph, being in Egypt, sitting at the right hand of the throne, ruling and reigning, he takes a bride while he's in Egypt, and what bride does he get? He gets an Egyptian bride. And in Judaism, the lineage always goes through the mama, right? The bloodline is through the mom in, in Judaism. And so uh, guess what his sons were? Ephraim and Manasseh in Judaism. Gentiles. They were Egyptian. And what does God do? God has Jacob, Israel, adopt them as his own so that they become the children of Israel. May I share with you? That is a picture of, guess who? You. Your little rear end sitting on that chair, you little Gentile rear end. You're a, you have been adopted in as the sons and daughters of the true and living God. Adopted in to all the blessings of God. Oh, how incredible. Uh, in Romans, it would tell us this. Romans uh, uh, 8, 14. Uh, let me hear you read this as a loud, unified voice. Uh, For all who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. Pause there. Led by the Spirit of God? How does that work? Well, the Bible tells us very clearly. Jesus told us this very clearly in John chapter 14. He would say the Holy Spirit will convict you. He will come alongside you and convict you of sin, that you're sinning, sinning against the God who created you, of righteousness, yeah, you don't measure up to God's righteousness, and of the judgment to come. If you don't get right with God, you're going to go to hell. You're going to experience God's judgment on your life. You're going to be separated from the God who created you for all eternity. You better come to a Savior named Jesus who gave his life as a ransom on a cross to take the punishment of your sin, that his righteousness might be given to you freely as a free gift. And the Holy Spirit comes and leads us to that understanding. And then we go, oh my gosh, Jesus, you did that for me? Uh, and we believe, John 3.16, that God so loved the world, that he, God so loved me, that he gave his only son on my behalf, that whoever would believe in him wouldn't perish, would have everlasting life. And guess what starts happening? Then, then we become children of God. And the Holy Spirit then goes from being with us to now being what? Jesus said, in us. Amazing. And here's what this verse says. Those who are led by the Spirit of God, led into a knowledge of Jesus as their Savior, and then led to say thank you for that and receive that gift, these are what? The children of God. Amazing. So you have not received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves. Uh, I'm not walking around in fear going, oh my gosh, there's a hurricane coming. I'm not a fearful slave to the things of the world. I know I have a heavenly father who loves me so much that he gave himself. He left heaven and became a man to purchase my salvation. Will he not with Christ give me all things? Uh, I'm a child of God. Uh, what a promise we have. Uh, you have not received a spirit that makes you fearful, slaves. Instead, you've received God's spirit. Read with me. When he adopted you as his own children. And now we call him 
Abba. Oh my gosh. I love when we go to Israel in October. I love walking through the streets of old Jerusalem and you see all these little kids, you know, just toddlers and uh, walking around and, and you hear them go, Abba, Abba, Abba. You know, that's just daddy, right? Just daddy. It's like, uh, and, and, and look at the privilege God gives us. He says, you can call him Abba. Uh, just amazing. Uh, rest of the verse. For his spirit joins with our spirit to affirm that we are God's children. And since we are his children, we are his heirs. Oh my gosh. In fact, together with Christ, we are heirs of God's glory. Hey, your little uh, timeshare in Cabo, it doesn't look so great now. Uh, you're, you, I, in Christ, we are heirs of God's riches. He puts Jesus as the heir of all things. And he puts us as sons and daughters as ruling and reigning with him as heirs of all things. What an amazing, generous father. What an amazing savior. And uh, in fact, we are the heirs of Christ with Christ of all of God's glory. Just remarkable to ponder. Um, uh, what a promise. Uh, and so here, uh, Joseph, a prophetic prefigure of Jesus, his Gentile sons are adopted in to receive all the promises of God. Uh, they're grafted into the family. They are no longer Gentiles. They're now sons of Israel. And it's a picture, if you will, of us. In Romans 11, by the way, it uses these words, grafted in. And it uses this imagery, this, this parable, this uh, analogy, if you will, of Israel being an olive tree. And uh, you being a tumbleweed. And this tree that God has meant to be very fruitful, he takes you, this tumbleweed, and guess what he does with you? Romans 11 would tell us. He grafts you into the olive tree so that you could be supported by the root and the foundation and the marrow and all the stuff, the, the sap, all the, the deep, long working plans of God. And you could be grafted in and quit being a tumbleweed and you could become part of the olive tree. Uh, that's Romans 11, right? Just amazing. And so here we see uh, God's prophetic hand showing his plan of salvation uh, through the nation Israel that is going to come to us. Just amazing to, to consider. Uh, and here uh, uh, Israel adopts these Gentile uh, Egyptian boys into the family of God. And it's a picture of what Jesus has done for us. Praise the Lord. Amen. Uh, well, let's go on. Verse 8. Let's see what happens in this story. Uh, Jacob has just adopted Manasseh and Ephraim as, he, as his, his own, and now he's going to put blessing upon them. Uh, then Israel saw Joseph's sons and said, who are these? It's not that he doesn't know who they are. It's that he was so old. He's 147 years old. He has cataracts. His, his eyes are probably just white with cataracts, right, at 147. And he's saying, hey, who's, who's here before me? Uh, verse 9, and Joseph said to his father, these are my sons whom God has given me in this place. Uh, by the way, how old are these boys here? Any idea? They're in their 20s. Uh, and uh, let's geek out just for a moment on the Bible. How do we know that? Well, here's how we know it. Uh, Joseph, the Bible tells us, had these two sons, Manasseh and Ephraim, during the seven years of plenty when God raised him up to the right hand of Pharaoh, uh, God gave him a Gentile bride. And during the seven years of plenty, these two boys were born to him, Ephraim and Manasseh. Jacob, or Israel, would come to Egypt for food on the second year of the famine. And so on the second year of the famine, these boys were bare minimum then of at least two or three years old, right? Because it's the second year of the famine and they were born during the time, time, time of prosperity. Jacob was 130 when he stood before Joseph. 
That means the boys, when he was 130, were at least two or three years old, at bare minimum. And now Jacob is 147, 17 years later, uh, to the two or three years of the boys, they are at the minimum 20 years old. Uh, And you say, why did you tell me all that? Uh, Because I'm a geek, I can't help it. Uh, Uh, but I wanted to give you a picture. These are not little, little boys running around. These are men. Uh, and that's going to come into play as we, as we move on. Uh, verse 9. And so Joseph said to his father, These are my sons whom God has given me in this place. And he, that's Israel, said, Bring them to me, and I will bless them. I love that. Now the eyes of Israel were dim with age so that he could not see. Then Joseph brought them near him. And he, that's Israel, kissed them and embraced them. And Israel said to Joseph, I had not thought to see your face, but in fact, God has also shown me your offspring. Uh, what is Joseph, excuse me, what is Jacob doing here? Uh, it's not like Jacob just saw these boys for the first time. He's been with them repeatedly all the time over the last 17 years that he's been there with them. But here's what he's saying to to Joseph. Here's what he's saying to Manasseh and Ephraim. He's saying, oh my gosh, sons. God is so good. My cup overflows. I went through my uh, large part of my life thinking you were dead, that I would never see you again. And God has given me the last 17 years of my life. Very interesting. Uh, Israel, Jacob, had 17 years of Joseph with Joseph until the day his brother sold him into slavery. And then God gave him another 17 years with Joseph at the end of his life. And Israel is saying, oh my gosh, boys, I didn't even think I'd see your face again. I thought you were dead, Joseph. Not only have I seen your face, but I've got to spend these last 17 years with you, your grandkids, and my cup just overflows, right? Uh, David would write as he would ponder later in life of the goodness of God, uh, Surely grace and mercy will follow me, what? All the days of my life. And then in the end, when that's over, after I'm done bathing in the grace and mercy of God all the days of my life, then I'll stand in your presence forevermore. I mean, just God's goodness, just blown away. And here, uh, Israel, just blown away at the goodness of God. I can't believe how good you are. Boys, your God is a good God, he's telling them. And these are the things that he's meditated, that he's prayed about, that he wants to speak to his sons, and he's, he's telling them about the goodness of God. Verse 12, so Joseph brought them from beside his knees, and he bowed his face to the earth. Uh, Dad, here's my boys, puts them in front of him, and he just bows his head in reverence. And Joseph took both of them, Ephraim with his right hand towards Israel's left hand, and Manasseh with his left hand towards Israel's right hand, And he brought them, that's Ephraim and Manasseh, near him. That's to Israel. Did you see what just happened? Joseph knows that Israel's eyes are bad. And so he says, Ephraim, you come over here. And he puts Ephraim in front of what? Joseph's, excuse me, uh, Israel's right hand. And he puts Manasseh uh, in front of, excuse me, Israel's right hand and and Ephraim he puts in front of his left hand, trying to help dad out, right? Like, why? Here's why. Because uh, uh, in the Hebrew culture, the right hand was the side of blessing. We still use that phrase today. We call someone, he's my right hand man. What are we saying? This guy's in a position of favor in my company or in my life, whatever, right? And uh, it comes from this, right? So he puts Manasseh there at Israel's right hand, verse 14. Israel does something interesting here. So Israel stretches out his right hand and he lays it on Ephraim's head. Instead of going like this, he goes like this, right? Who was the younger? And his left hand, he puts on Manasseh's head, guiding his hands knowingly. You might want to underline that. For Manasseh was the firstborn. Yeah, uh, Israel there just crosses his arms as he's about to pronounce this blessing on his, on his kids. Uh, Joseph wanted his dad to bless Manasseh because that's his firstborn. And there's something special about that relationship between a firstborn, no doubt. Uh, but uh, God had other plans. Uh, 
look at this. And so he blessed Joseph, that's Joseph's sons, and said, God, before whom my fathers Abraham and Isaac walked, the God who has fed me all my life, all my life long to this day, uh, uh, the angel who, who has redeemed me from all evil. These are the things that he's speaking on these boys with his hands crossed on each of their heads. Uh, uh, so powerful. Uh, uh, for one, uh, I want us to see, I want us to see the supernatural power of a father's blessing. Uh, so important that we see this. Uh, he's touching his sons and dad, there's something about coming up to your son, putting your hand, <clears throat> hand on his shoulder and saying, son, I'm proud of you. Well done. Uh, and then listing off some of the attributes, some of the character traits that are in that son's life and speaking them specifically. Hey, I want you to know I'm proud of you, son. I'm proud of you for how you're a selfless man. How you go out of your way to build others. How you care for the underdogs of the world and, and how you, or whatever it is, you know, about that, that. Son, I'm proud of you. The discernment you have, it's beyond your years. I can tell you're walking with the Lord. Uh, something powerful about a father putting his hand on a son's shoulder and just speaking words of truth onto that child's life. That's what's happening here. And I want you to look at, let's, let's break this down a little bit. Look at these words he says. God, before whom my fathers Abraham and Isaac walked. These are premeditated, prayed over, well thought out words. And he's saying, listen, Your grandfather Abraham was a godly man. He walked with God. Your great-grandfather Isaac was a godly man. He walked with God. They had a heritage. They were men who knew God. They were men who had a relationship with God. And, and, and hey, I want you to be like those men. Then he tells them, the God who has fed me all my life long to this day. Uh, what, do you think, uh, what do you think Jacob is thinking about here when he says this to them? The God who has provided for me and fed me all of my life. I bet Jacob is thinking back and looking back at his life and thinking how he had to, how he schemed and how he deceived and how he would just cheat on every deal to try to make it better for him and how he would change every contract to make it better for him and how he was always conniving and manipulating and trying to always make everything better for him because he had to eat. He had to, he had to take care of his family. He was trying to provide and how he lied and cheated and, and schemed and scammed. And, and now he looks back and he goes, oh, I look back on my life and I'm so ashamed of how I did all those things. It was God who provided for me all of these ways, all of these days. And there came a day in Jacob's life when he quit wrestling with God. He had a vicious wrestling match with, with God his whole life. There came a day when God finally got a hold of him and he quit wrestling with God. And he quit scheming on every deal. And he just trusted in God's faithfulness and God's provision. And now he stands before these boys and he says, boys, listen, I want you to know. You don't have to scheme. You don't have to fight for every business deal. Walk with integrity. Do the right things and watch God richly bless you in business and in life and everything you do. This God who has fed me all my life long to this day. Just amazing, right? Uh, and the third thing he tells them is, and the angel who redeemed me from all evil. In uh, your verse 16, the word angel there, is it in capital? Capitals? Why? It's God. It's Jesus. Uh, theologians call this a Christophany. This is a manifestation. The God he wrestled with was Jesus. He actually wrestled with Jesus. Jesus did not come into existence at the incarnation at his birth. Uh, John tells us this in his gospel, right? Like he was the eternal God. In the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, the Word was God, He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him, without Him was nothing made, and that Word became flesh and dwelt among us. Yeah, uh, and, and, and here, this is a picture of Jesus, a Christophany in the Old Testament. A pic 
And he says, that angel has redeemed me. Interesting word. Jesus the Redeemer. All of my scheming, all of my lies, all of my deception. Do you know what Jesus did? He redeemed me. Uh, he saved me. Uh, and he's passing these truths on to his, 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 his grandsons, right? Uh, just amazing. And so he, he blessed the lads. May that, Lord, may that God bless the lad. May my name be named upon them. I'm adopting you as sons into the tribes of Israel. My name upon you. You are now in the, in the family of Israel. And the name of my fathers, Abraham and Isaac, they were men who walked with God. May you walk with God just like them. Let them grow into a multitude in the midst of the earth. He gives them the Abrahamic covenant and affirms it on them and just gives them there all the blessings of it. And oh man, I just love seeing this supernatural power of a father's blessings. And you know what's crazy? God honors all of Israel's words that he is blessing on his grandsons. God honors them. They actually come into fruition. Do you know what happens? Ephraim and Manasseh actually become tribes of Israel. And they actually become incredibly powerful. And 430 years later, when Israel leaves Egypt to go to the promised land, uh, God will give Ephraim and Manasseh uh, uh, a very valuable territory in the promised land that will include two places. God will give Ephraim the territory that includes Shechem and the territory that includes Shiloh. And you say, so what? Well, a big so what. Shiloh was the very place where God would plant the Ark of the Covenant in the land of Ephraim. Not only the Ark of the Covenant, but the tabernacle would be planted in Shiloh. And who would come to the tabernacle? All the nations of Israel would come in there to Shiloh, which happened to be where? In Ephraim. And here, uh, these, promise these, these promises that God made there are actually being fulfilled. Excuse me, these promises that Israel made are actually being fulfilled by God. Just amazing. Uh, what makes a father's blessing powerful? The power of the father? No, no, no. It's a supernatural power that God uses from the father upon the children. And dads, when you place your hand on a son's shoulder, on a daughter's back, and you just say, baby, I want you to know I'm so proud of you. The woman that you are in Jesus Christ. And you name, God blesses those things. Uh, here's a verse for you that shows you this came into reality. Joshua 18. Uh, read it with me. Now the whole congregation of the children of Israel assembled together in Shiloh and set up the tabernacle of meeting there and the land was subdued before them. God honors those blessings that Israel is proclaiming on these boys, and God is working way in advance. Uh, I want to tell you a story. Uh, back in April, uh, it's Good Friday. It's Easter, right? Good Friday services. And we had more Good Friday services than we had ever had before, and uh, JC and I were here late uh, trying to clean everything up after Good Friday and get ready for Easter Sunday, and and it's almost 10 o'clock at night. And uh, JC and I are here, and we're finally done. We're ready to lock up. And JC's boys were here with us, and they were working and helping. And, and I love this about JC's kids. His kids love being at church. Uh, that man has an amazing family, by the way. Uh, and the Bible says that wisdom is justified by its children, right? Uh, you can see the fruit of his walk with the Lord in those kids, right? And so it's about a quarter to 10, and we haven't had dinner yet. We're starving, right? And uh, I look over at JC, I say, hey, pure taco's still open. You want to go get some tacos? And he looks like, we better hurry. I go, let's go. So we all go over, uh, JC and I and his boys, and uh, we go over to pure taco, and uh, we order up, and uh, I'm just loving it, right? I'm there with JC's kids. I don't often get time with just them, and, and so I'm asking him, uh, 
uh, and I'm not going to use their names because I'm going to share something about this, but, but I say, hey, you know, how's it going? How, how's school going? Uh, how's sports going? What fa- what's your favorite sport? What are you playing? What are you doing? You like any girls? Uh, you know, all this kind of stuff, right? And we're talking. And one of his sons, hey, he's telling me about all the stuff they're doing. And one of his sons says, well, my dad says I have an amazing speaking gift. And so I've been doing this, this, and this, and this. And, and I just thought, wow, what a good dad. Putting his hand on his son. Seeing the gifts that God is giving them. Proclaiming God's word upon that boy's life. Listen, son, God's given you some gifts, and I want, to use, want you to use it to the glory of God. And that boy now, some weeks have gone by, and he's there talking to me. He says, well, my dad says I have a speaking gift. And so I'm doing this. And you know what's going to happen? In the years to come, guess what's going to come into fruition? And guess what's going to bear fruit? You see, God honors the, wor- the, the words that a father speaks onto a child's life. And we see that here coming true for uh, Israel on Ephraim and Manasseh. And dads, I want you to know it's true for you as well. One of the best things you can do as a dad is speak words of affirmation of what God is doing in that child's life, the unique gifts and talents that he has given them, and just affirming those things on them and, and, and allowing them to see what God has given them. Men, you are the spiritual leaders of your home. God will use it powerfully when you do this. Was this Israel's power? No, 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 no. This was the supernatural power of God bringing these things into fruition. And isn't it amazing that God calls us, uh, calls you, calls me, men and women, to partner with him in his kingdom work that he wants to do on the earth. Is that not amazing? These words that Israel are speaking are divinely inspired and they're just on Israel's heart. He doesn't know he's prophesying. He doesn't know how powerfully God is going to use all this. He doesn't know that God is going to set up the tabernacle in Ephraim's territory. He doesn't know all this. He doesn't know that the land will be divided in two and, the, and, and, and all these things. are. And Ephraim will be the center focus of all of the northern kingdom. Uh, he doesn't know all these things. This is just God's work. And so dads, may you speak these words of blessing on your children. May you speak these words of blessings as the spiritual leader of your home, not only on your children, but on your wife. Baby, I was listening to you. Put the kids to bed last night. I just want you to know, you're amazing. And the way you wove that bedtime story into the promises of God and spoke these truths over their lives and built up... uh, so-and-so's character and built up so-and-so here, you're just an incredible mom. And God is using you powerfully. What are you doing? You are being a spiritual leader in your family and God will take those words and use them powerfully. Moms, the same is true for you. When you are taking the kids to soccer practice, hey, Johnny, I want you to know, I watched you at soccer practice last week. And I saw that how instead of just trying to be the one who scores all the goals, you helped out so-and-so, and you cared about him, and you helped him do better, and I was really proud of you for that. Way to go, Mom. Way to go. Praying for your kids when you drop them off at school. Hey, guys, I just want to, let's pray before you go to school. And you pray, a, put your hand on their shoulders, and you pray a blessing over them. Uh, Lord, I pray that you keep my bless my children today as they go to school it's a dark place and jesus we know your words we know what you said you said broad is the way that leads to destruction and most people go that way and narrow is the path that brings life and life abundant and few there are that find it Lord, help my kids today to walk on your narrow path and to keep your truths and to hold on to your... Mom, what are you doing? Well, you are pronouncing the, uh, the blessings on your children and there is supernatural power behind it, man. Uh, may that be happening in our families. Amen? Amen. Um, 
amazing to see how God uses all that. God honors the blessings that Israel is proclaiming, and it's just powerful to see. I want to remind you of this truth in case you have forgotten. Your words are incredibly powerful. Do you think Israel had any idea how powerful his words would be that day? I guarantee you he had no idea. But because you are a child of God and God is using you as a builder of his kingdom, your words are incredibly powerful. You have the power to give life and you have the power to cause great harm. May you realize what God has given you. Uh, Here's a proverb for you, Proverbs 18, great proverb to hold on to. Uh, Take a look at this. Let me hear you read this in a thundering voice. Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruit. Wow. What is the Bible telling you, Christian? What is this verse telling you? God has given you something incredibly powerful, the ability to speak his words into someone's life, to be a builder of men and women, to use your words to edify. You also have the option to rebel against God and to use your words to tear down others. A woman can tear down her husband, no problem. A man can tear down his wife, no problem. A man can tear down a son or daughter, no problem. But notice what this verse says. Death and life are in the power of tongue. And those who love that God gave them the ability to speak life into others will use it and eat the fruit of that. Speaking truth into your son and daughter's life and watching God bring just incredible fruit from that. Wow, just amazing. Our words are incredibly powerful. May we use them. Uh, your tongue has the power to build an amazing spouse. Do you want to? Let me hear it. Let me, let me, let let me. (laughs) Hear me, church. God has given you an amazing gift. Your tongue has the ability to build an amazing spouse. Do you want one? Do you know how powerful it is when a wife believes in her husband and champions him? Do you know how powerful it is when a husband sovereignly leads by what God is doing in his life, in his family, to speak and bring their family in the right direction and the things of the Lord? Speaking these affirming words over his wife. Powerful, man. May we, may we pay attention. For most of Jacob's life, he used his words for his own selfish gain. Tricking his brother, conniving here, swindling Laban, uh, cunning words to get people to do what he wanted him to do. And the point came in his life when he quit wrestling God. He said, God, I just realized you provide everything for me. It wasn't my tricks. It's your provision. Now I'm going to use my words not to get my way. I'm going to use my words to speak your truth on bless others. And uh, what a change in Israel's life. And now Israel is using his words to build and to proclaim God's truth. And I don't know about you, but that's the man I want to be. That's the man I want to be who speaks those kind of truths into into others. Uh, Let's see if we can uh, uh, wrap up a little bit here. We've got uh, some few more verses to cover. Uh, Verse 17. When Joseph saw that his father laid his right hand on the head of Ephraim, it displeased him. Uh, Who's torqued right now? Joseph, what the heck, man? Uh, So he took hold of his father's hand to remove it from Ephraim's head and to put it on Manasseh's head. And Joseph said to his father, not so, my father. He rebukes him. For this one is the firstborn. Put your right hand on his head. Uh, what What does Joseph think right here? Dad's confused. Dad's having a senior moment. Uh, Dad doesn't know what he's doing, right? The old man's lost it. Verse 19. But his father refused and said, I know, my son, I know. He shall become a people, and he also shall be great. But truly, his younger brother shall be greater than he. And his descendants 
shall become a multitude of nations. So he, that's Israel, blessed them, that's Manasseh and Ephraim that day, saying, by you, Israel will bless, saying, may God make you like Ephraim and Manasseh. And thus he set Ephraim before Manasseh. From here on in in the Bible, even though Ephraim is the firstborn, uh, excuse me, even though Manasseh is the firstborn, uh, the Bible will always say their names in this order now. Ephraim and Manasseh, right? Uh, 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 and uh, he puts them first here. And notice what he says, by you, Israel will bless, saying, may God make you as Ephraim and Manasseh. What does that mean? Uh, here's what it means. Uh, uh, we may have a phrase in our day saying, dang, dude, you're as rich as Bill Gates. What are we trying to say? You're really wealthy, right? Well, he's saying that in Israel, this is going to be the phrase they use. When you want to talk about how blessed someone is, you're going to look back at who? Ephraim, you're like, you're like man, you're as blessed as Ephraim and Manasseh. That's going to be the phrase, right? Uh, uh, very interesting. Uh, there's something I want us to get from this. There's something I want us to see here. There's a reason I'm unpacking this with you. I want you to see uh, there is often opposition to the proclamation of God's word. When you go to proclaim a blessing, when you go to proclaim God's word, when you go to uh, uh, speak God's truth, there is often going to be what? Opposition. And in this strange twist in this story, this time the opposition comes from who? From Joseph. It happens to be God's guy causing the opposition. It happens to be the, God, the guy that God chose to sit on the right hand. It happens to be the, God, the guy that God chose to interpret dreams with divine insight. It happened to be the guy that God used to be the one who's saving all the nations from starvation. Uh, interesting. When we go to proclaim God's word, there is often opposition. Uh, here, Joseph is doing this because he thinks dad's lost it, but God knows exactly what he's doing. And I want you to know something. Uh, it may feel uncomfortable to you when you go to proclaim God's blessing on someone, when you go to speak truth on someone. You might have the most unlikely person say, calls a ruckus, right? Uh, dads, do a weekly Bible study with your kids. Lead them through the word on a weekly basis. And when you do, guess what might come? Some opposition. Do it anyway. Here Israel doesn't miss a beat. He says, I know, son, I know. And he just keeps proclaiming God's blessings on them. Dad, you might be trying to do a family Bible study every week, and sometimes you're going to wonder, is it even doing any good? The kids are cracking jokes, making weird bodily noises, doing all kinds of things, and is anybody even getting anything out of this? Your, your wife is texting instead of being part of You're like, what the heck? It's like hurting cats. That's common. There's often opposition when you go to proclaim God's word. And the answer do it anyway. Do you know why? Because God's word does not return what? Boy. Oh, you know this. Then why are you hindered by opposition if you know this? I want to show you this verse. It's in Isaiah. Take a look at this. Uh, for as the rain comes down, is it? Yeah. yeah, it is, right? As the rain comes down and as the snow from heaven, and they do not return there, but they water the whole earth, and they make it bring forth and bud. Uh, this rain that we look at as a bad thing, it's actually what? God's blessing. And in the months to come, it's going to bring a harvest. And you're going to forget all about the hassle of that rain that day. And you're going to be thankful. You're going to be grateful. And he equates that to God's word. Uh, it gives bud to the flowers it gives seed to the sower it gives bread to the eater uh, it produces great fruit rest of the verse so shall my word be that goes forth from my mouth it shall not return to me void or empty but it shall accomplish what i please and it shall prosper in the thing for which i have sent 
Wow. This is the promise of God. And I want you to know, God honors the honest proclamation of his word. Even if it feels clumsy, even if it doesn't go as you planned, even if Joseph has just thrown a wrench in the thing, no matter what happens, walk in it by faith. Why? Because God's word doesn't return void. Mom, pray over your kids when you drop them off. And if they are cutting up in the midst of your prayer, keep praying. Because God's word doesn't return void. Uh, uh, dads, man, please do a weekly Bible study with your children. Be the best thing you can do. Uh, Israel is being used by God here, and Joseph's uh, frustration that he throws in doesn't hinder God at all, uh, and it's really powerful to walk in those things. Um, and so may we build and may we bless and edify others. Let's cover these last two verses, and then we'll, I'm going to ask the band to come up. Uh, let's look at these last two verses. Then Israel said to Joseph, Behold, I am dying, but God will be with you, and he will bring you back to the land of your fathers. Joseph, hold on to that. And these words were so powerful in Joseph's heart that Joseph took them to his children and said, Listen, don't bury me here in Egypt. I want my bones to go to the promised land. Uh, and then one more verse. Moreover, I have given to you one portion above your brothers, uh, a double inheritance there, which I took from the hand of the Amorite with my sword and bow. Uh, very interesting because we have no record of this in Scripture. We have no record of Jacob ever fighting a war. We have no record of Jacob ever using a bow in, in battle. And we have no record of Jacob ever conquering the promised land. It did not happen, not in Scripture anyway. Uh, so it's possible that uh, he's talking about something that just wasn't recorded, uh, but what I personally believe, he's prophesying. And he's blessing his son Joseph with a double portion of the promised land that will go to Ephraim and Manasseh, and he's speaking prophetically into the future. Uh, and next week, we will see as Jacob continues on his last words, uh, you'll notice that it says in the first part of chapter 49, and Jacob spoke of these words which pertain to things of the last days. Very interesting. And uh, I believe Jacob is speaking prophetically here into the future. Uh, why don't you stand with me? Be of good courage. You have been adopted in as sons and daughters of God. What great news. May we then walk as sons of, and daughters of God, building up others in the most holy faith, speaking words of affirmation, proclaiming God's word of blessing on others. May we make God's word a part of our regular day and our everyday conversation. May you go bless a neighbor today who is so worried about this hurricane. And may you tell them, you know what? Our God is the God of the storms. Our God is the divine protector. He will keep you through the storm. You can rest in him. He's a good savior. May you proclaim the blessings that God has given to you through his word on others. For your, God has given you an amazing gift. Your tongue holds the power of both what? Life and death. Choose life. That you might receive all the blessings that God wants to give to you. Choose life that God might use you to be a builder of his kingdom. Choose life that you might speak words of affirmation that build so much fruit in others' life for generations to come. And great will be your reward in heaven. Uh, May we recall and tell others about the hope that we have in Jesus, the one who has adopted us to be his own sons and his daughters, all by his grace, all by his free gift. We have a lot to live for. Amen? Church coming out to worship Jesus today. Good on you, making him the priority of your life. Go out and shine brightly as a bright light in a dark world, standing confidently in the boldness of grace that Jesus has freely bestowed upon you your children of God. May the Lord bless you. 
you may freely share this message with others as long as you don't charge for it. Support for these broadcasts comes from your generous donations that allow us to give away our materials for free. To participate with us, please visit our website at themissionchurch.net. God bless.